0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the third episode of It's a Trap. My name is Cam, and I'm joined by my friend Dave. Per usual, we uh, we tend to like to talk to each other through microphones. Yes, I realize we we've, we've spent more time in the last 15 months talking this way this way than we have <laughs> any other way. Yes, but that's all right. It's all good. Yeah, you know. So we're here. This is the third episode of It's a Trap. Hopefully you have uh, listened to the first two episodes of the show. And you've heard our thoughts on uh, Verbal Kent from Usual Suspects and Norman Bates from Psycho. And uh, as we were looking at our episode list, because we kind of have projections of of characters that we want to talk about, um, we realized that it was uh, very, well, two things. It was very uh, male-centric characters. And uh, very like heavy or serious characters, and, and the first two episodes, uh, you know, exemplified that perfectly. And so, while this episode we are talking about another male character, um, you would you would be uh, hard pressed to find someone that would that would uh, describe Austin Powers as a serious uh, person. So that is our uh, character for today's episode, Mister Austin Powers, international. Man of Mystery, Dave. Yes. Would you, uh, would you let our listeners know, A, which Austin Powers film we're talking about, and then some of the credentials of said film?
1: Uh, we are talking about the original uh, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. And uh, it was a 1997 film, which Cam and I were both kind of, wow, it's been almost 20 years since, this, is, since this has been <laughs> out. So. I remember
0: when this came out. I was in middle school.
1: <laughs> well, listen, I had just moved to Minnesota. So, and, a li- and Caroline was one year, one year old.
0: Yeah, that's right. I am 10 years older than her. All right.
1: So, yes. So, um, basically, um, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery.
0: Austin Danger, danger, powers. powers.
1: Uh, it, it's uh, in the um genre of a, being a parody of a spy film, uh, specifically uh, James Bond. Yeah. So unlike James Bond, he is not an attractive man, but yet <laughs> there is this sort of mojo that he has that.
0: That all the ladies just can't resist.
1: That the ladies can't resist. So he has that similarity with James Bond and uh he has a nemesis, Doctor Evil. And uh the film begins in nineteen sixty seven. Somewhere outside Las Vegas. <laughs> in Doctor Evil's lair. And uh Austin and Doctor Evil are frozen for thirty years.
0: Along with Gary Coleman and Vanilla Ice, no yes, less.
1: For whatever reason. So well, you know um yeah so um they 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 are thought out 30 years later and basically Dr Evil is bent on uh world domination and it is Austin Powers' job to prevent him from succeeding in that and so
0: yes uh, let's let's just establish the um ridiculousness of the plot right off the bat yeah. Cryogenic freezing in the 1960s. First of all, secondarily, this evil guy in America and the only person that can stop him is a British a British agent. <laughs> so, you know, right off the bat it makes. But to to Austin Powers defense, most most James Bond plots are not um what's the word I'm looking for? Um reasonable? Yes. So, I think they just build upon the uh silliness of most bond flicks. Now granted, I I will say I love James Bond movies. I grew up on them. Um but this to me everything I see in these movies is a direct joke at the bond films. So I I get quite a kick out of it.
1: Yeah, kind of the absurdity of that. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, kind of similar to the way we introduced this uh the the male-centric world and um, typical of the 1960s, and um, one of the central themes to this movie is is how how the world has changed since then, and maybe even a little bit of the absurdity of of how people did live
0: uh, in the 1960s, which. Yeah. What does he say when he gets unthawed? She's telling him he's going to need you know, to adjust the 90s, and he's like, well, as long as people are having promiscuous sex with many anonymous partners and experiment, <laughs> experimenting with mind-boggling drugs in an environment of no consequences, I'll be sound as a pound. <laughs> yes, and that is Which not in no way was my attempt at an actual Austin Powers accent. I'm saving that for later. Oh, something to look forward to. Yeah, dun-dun-dun-dun. We're going to build some suspense into the comedy, Dave. Sure. All right, so, oh, oh, of course, the plot. Um, you know, Dr. Evil does stupid things. It lets Austin Powers escape, and the good guy kind of wins. Yes. Big shock. Yeah. And then they set it up for a sequel, which, of course, we know happened. hmm And rumor has, so they made three of them. Rumor has it there's a fourth one in the works.
1: Yes, and I think, I can't remember if I was, you know, doing my internet search and i can't remember if it was wikipedia or where but basically that rumor's been around since like 2005 so well
0: yeah gold member was in 2002 so it's been a while yeah yeah so anyways Mm -hmm. let's do likes and dislikes of mr austin powers knight of the queen knight of the queen i don't know he he got he gets knighted eventually doesn't he at the end yeah. yeah and spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we should should have I don't know. Throwing that out there. <laughs> it's not important. It's not a, it's not a serious movie. No. So, but there is much to like about Mr. Austin Powers, at least I think so, but I, I want you agree. to go first because
1: well, that's uh, you know, quite honestly, it's you know what you're getting from the beginning with this movie. Uh, there's some some crude humor. Some? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> The whole, the, the whole movie is crude humor. <laughs> but, you know, it, it it was it's always interesting to watch these films knowing that we're gonna discuss them. Because truly, if I've ever watched Austin Powers before in the past, it was it was to be entertained, it was to laugh. And this movie does that uh, from beginning to end. And even though there's a lot of like sexual innuendos and that sort of thing, the language is not terrible in this. And um I think it's just like anything. If you've got a dirty mind, then it's kind of a you you have to you have to be thinking those things sort of for those jokes to work, which I think happens a lot. Which is
0: why I laughed the entire (laughs) time.
1: (laughs) So uh but yeah, so it it, it is incredibly entertaining, it works uh really, really well. Uh, there nothing nothing in this to me seems forced. Uh, it's a smart movie. It is a very smart movie. And, um, you know, there, there's a handful of things that maybe I could have done without, but like I said, on the front end, you know what you're getting with this movie. So to say that, that some of that stuff shouldn't be in there, it's like, well, then don't watch the movie. Um, the other, the other thing I like is, and like I said, I, I watched this a little bit differently of just, I was not around in the 1960s. Um. So for me, this was more of a, I don't know, it was, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to think about all the things that have changed uh, from the 60s to the 90s to now. And I, this is, I, I, you know, you talk about an entertaining movie that was a lot of fun. I'm kind of going to take it to a serious place of just that, you know, there's, I think most of my life, I've always had this sense that things are getting better. I don't know why. Uh, but that's just kind of things are getting better and we're, you know, uh, it's not a male dominated society anymore and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I get that there's the unequal pay and all that kind of stuff that isn't quite where it should be. But again, it was kind of this sense of we're heading in the right direction. And as I was watching this movie tonight, I had that element of like, I don't sense that like I used to, that things are actually getting better. That, uh, a lot of the stuff that we tend to focus on that needs to change in our world today uh has to that it comes from our affluence in this country versus it being something that really really needs to uh be changed
0: yeah I think the idea that uh time equals progress is a fairly common assumption by a lot of people um and while to a certain extent that may be true, i think there's uh to me progress is always a trade off yeah we're gonna we're gonna progress in this area, but that means that we have to stop progressing in this other area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for what it's worth, I, I I think that a lot of people subscribe to you know, time equals progress. Yeah. Um, and if you look at things like technology, it's certainly true. Yeah. Time plus hard work equals better batteries, better technology, better screens, yeah. electronic cars, spaceships that can land themselves you know things that are that are happening now but i don't think that necessarily applies to humans
1: no so so yeah but so not to go completely negative but that was just one of those things that uh i thought because i truly did enjoy that sort of just throughout the film of well things are different than they used to be kind of and again the implication being uh they're better than they used to be well you know so anyway um again as i was watching this with a little bit more of a critical eye and thought uh i realized i like dr evil oh he's he, great he's like i like He steals the show I, yeah uh, like i just time and time again there's just little things like sitting in his chair and rolling away from the table and then you know the over exaggeration to get it back and it's just there's there's a uh um a realness about him and just that, you know, I think, uh, anytime any of us fancy ourselves as a, uh, superhero or a, a spy or, you know, or even a super villain, we're, f- those people are like flawless. They're perfect. Everything goes the way it's supposed to go. And it's just like, nothing just seems to work quite right. Yeah. Dr. His Evil. whole
0: life is a comedy of errors.
1: Yes. That's a good way to put that. So, uh, I really enjoyed Dr. Evil throughout this. And then the final thing was is the Jaguar. I'm glad to see that... Uh, oh, yeah, the Union Jack. The Jaguar made it, or as the Brits would say, the Jaguar. <laughs> ja- jaguar. There's like an extra syllable. Jaguar. Jaguar. So, yeah.
0: So can I tell you a quick story before we continue? Sure. Um, when I turned 16 in the blessed year of 2002, which was the same year that Goldmember came out, uh, I had an Austin Powers-themed 16th birthday party. Wow. I was Austin Powers. I had the full blue suit with the frilly cravat and the male logo necklace. <laughs> and at that point, I had fairly long hair, so I just had to comb it from the side, and it worked. And I got the glasses, and my little sister at that point would have been Nine. And so we got her a mini me outfit. Oh that's and hilarious. my mom got these cardboard cutouts of Austin Powers and you walked by it and be like, Groovy baby, yeah Or you know, say things like that. And then everyone came in their best sixties attire. My dad's boss at that point drove a jag. So we parked the jag on the front lawn and got a big Union Jack flag and put it on there. And here's the the piece that just makes it the best birthday party ever. My mom Handmade, fat bastard sumo outfits, and we sumo wrestled in the backyard. Oh, wow! <laughs> Complete with curly red and chest hair and everything. <laughs> it was, it was a good time. But that just shows you how, for how long, and how much I enjoy these movies. Yeah, uh, I I wrote down for my likes everything. There's nothing about these movies that I don't like. I I love that they're over the top. I love that. What did I write down? That he has a complete inability to understand how ridiculous he is. Yes. Like case in point in this movie, when they're on the tour of uh, VirtuCon and they're on the bus, she's in like some skimpy, cheap prostitute cowgirl outfit and he's got (laughs) a turban and a beard and a very like bejeweled indian garb on and just that's his spy disguise because that's what fits in in las vegas everything about him is so stupid yes that i love it it's so over the top but it plays so well to the point that we said earlier like the movie's ridiculous Mm -hmm. but it's ridiculous in a very smart way Yes. Like, everything fits. Everything flows. You know exactly what they're making fun of. And you feel like you're in on the joke with them. Like, oh, we're making fun of spy movies together. Mm -hmm. It's us and them versus James Bond and Born Identity and whatever else you want to throw in there. But it does a really good job of bringing you into the jokes. And that's what I appreciate about it. That and that in the crude humor, I'm, <laughs> just, that stuff makes me laugh. I can't help it. You know, I uh when I saw Ace Ventura as a kid, I proceeded to ask my mother for twenty dollars by talking out of my butt like he does. Nice. Pardon me. Do you have any banaka? Perhaps a twenty dollar bill? Didn't go over well with my mom. She was not pleased. <laughs> I'm sure. I, on the other hand, thought it was genius. <laughs> but, anyways, all right. So I liked everything about the movie. Um. And then I put for my dislikes, absolutely nothing. So you can see I'm completely biased here. Yes. I, I love this kind of humor. And I think that the fact that Mike Myers wrote this by himself, mm-hmm. to me, is an incredibly um, impressive feat. Like, a lot of comedy movies, as far as I'm aware, are not usually written just by one person.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, because usually when you're just making jokes yourself, you're making jokes that you find funny and other people are just like, Oh my gosh, that's just, it doesn't really work, you know, but for him to sit down and write this whole thing by himself and for it to be this cohesive Mm -hmm. and this put together, I think it's a great, great proof of how talented he really is. Yeah. Now, someone else directed it, and other people produced it along with him, but to write this and then perform Austin Powers and Dr. Evil, yeah. and then later on Fat Bastard and Goldmember, mm-hmm. it's pretty darn good. Yes. I mean, it, you can't really argue. You can. He's made dumb movies, like Love Guru, for example.
1: But Well, and that's what uh, I was thinking of when you were talking about the, the Exactly. Costume, and the- <laughs> I, I wondered that. I was
0: like, was was that a an homage to another character that he had yet to reveal? Um but I mean this I think that this trilogy and especially this character of Austin Powers and Doctor Evil, like they stand the test of time. Yes. It's been almost twenty years and it's still just as funny as it was then. Yes. At least I think so.
1: Oh I would yeah, I definitely agree that it's it's just as funny and it's um, it definitely has,
0: and I, he's not British, is he? He's Canadian. He's, he's But his parents are from Liverpool. And his, he's got Scottish family as well, which is why his fat the, bastard yeah. accent is spot on. <laughs> and yeah, he can throw, he can do heavy Canadian, heavy British, and heavy Scottish at the drop of a hat. And and they're all spot on. And I grew yeah. up with a grandpa from scotland oh, really? so i know yeah my grandpa came over from scotland when he was in his 20s so i know oh, okay. what it sounds like to have an authentic scottish accent and mike does it very well as well as as his british now what's crazy is his austin powers accent and his liverpool accent are different because his because liverpool's north right. the, yeah the it's, northwest it's of paul the country. mccartney kinda. exactly Whereas the one he's doing his powers is more of like a Southern London yeah. style accent, but he can do them both perfectly.
1: Yeah, so which is impressive. And then you know, um, you know, I'm not a huge um, British comedian fan, but the movie definitely has that sort of uh, that flavor to it, that feel to it of of the British humor and uh, just. Uh, Yeah, kind of that, just unapologetic, uh, in your face. I'm I'm thinking specifically of like Benny Hill because that's about the only thing that I really know, uh, (laughs) in terms of. uh, So so that so there's there is that kind of just or or even the Monty Python just sort of just it's just it is what it is and it doesn't try to be something it's it's not. Yeah, it is
0: unabashedly honest of the fact that it's ridiculous. Yeah, like they're they're not. trying to think of a a good example of a movie that's trying to hide how ridiculous it is instead of embracing it. Like, Napoleon Dynamite embraces the ridiculousness Mm -hmm. of that movie. Monty Python. They've got knights walking around (laughs) with coconuts. Like, they embrace the ridiculous, and that's what sells it because everyone is in on the joke, and that's what makes it funnier is that you just disregard the ridiculousness, not because you're uncomfortable, but because oh, this is supposed to be happening. Yeah. Um, and I'm really, I'm really looking for an example of a, of a comedy movie that, that tries to make the ridiculous normal, and I'm having a hard time. I'm sure they're prevalent all over the place.
1: Yeah, it's like they work too hard to make it be like, oh, this could actually happen, or this is logical. And yeah, it, they
0: force, they, fo- they try to force being clever, and it just doesn't work. Yeah,
1: I, I was kind of having that same thought. I couldn't think of it. Nothing was coming to my mind, and anybody that's listening now is probably... Has a list of three or four things. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I guess that means we just watch only good movies, Dave. Yeah, I don't think so. so. <laughs> All right, so in your opinion, Dave, mm-hmm. what let's let's treat Doctor Evil and Austin Powers separately because I feel like they deserve equal footing here. Yes. What makes Doctor Evil a
1: great character? Um. I would have to say that one of the things that that makes Doctor Evil a great character is the the comedy of heirs that goes with him. Um, the uh, you know the relationship that he tries to have with his son, or you know just just even Number Two, uh, where he kind of shows his vulnerable side, but then there's sort of the where him and Scotty are in counseling together, him and his son are in scu- counseling, and Scotty talks about him wanting to kill him. And Dr. E was like, oh, he's very astute. <laughs>
0: wily I like uh, his old man. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I've tried to kill him, but he's wily like his old man. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and just uh, the, the you know, um, one of the quotes that I like in there, and I, I use it with my kids all the time, is the throw me a friggin' bone. <laughs>
0: I'm Uh, the boss. Yeah. Need the info. Need the info.
1: Uh, (laughs) You know, just clueless as to what uh, has gone in the world for the last 30 (laughs) years. Well, his plots
0: to blackmail people? Yeah. we'll we'll make it seem as if Prince Charles has had an extramarital affair and we'll need to divorce unless he pays us a ransom. Yes, uh, Prince Charles did have an affair. They are now divorced. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, people. (laughs) So good. It's so good. Well, and, and the whole air of um, pretentiousness that he carries, mm-hmm. al- combined with the comedy of errors, like he sits down at his table and he slides back. He's in that ridiculous clear plastic suit and he keeps sliding off the chair. Like his physical humor is very good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Which I always appreciate good physical humor. There's one scene where Scotty's walking in to like the rock and roll music and if you're not if you're not looking at scott and you're looking at dr evil he rolls up to the table and he hits his hand like on the table it goes ah. like so even when it's not on him he's still being an idiot yes um and as the the series progresses into the second movie and the third movie he does the Hard Knock Life music video in the jail. That is a riot. And he, uh, he uh, what if God was, what? I'm like, oh, that's a song that I wrote. Or just the two of us, like, Will Smith. Like, it, his character just becomes even more uh, narcissistic and idiotic as, as the the thing goes on. And it's just, he's a lot of fun to watch. He's
1: a lot of fun to watch. And I just think there's that element for that we all have of, how we view ourselves is very different than the way others view us.
0: Exactly. And this is a great um case study of how he thinks he's this great and he's just this inept and even in this movie Scotty's like, I've got a gun. I'll go get him. We can shoot them together. It'll be fun. And he goes, no, I'm going to place them in an overly complex, exotic, easily escapable situation. <laughs> it's like, what? And, then and assume will the will all go to plan. Yes, exactly. And assume that it's all going to go to plan. Why? Why? <laughs> Shut the doors. You're not even going to watch them? Why would, why would I do that? <laughs>
1: yes. And again, a, a poke at every James Bond movie. Exactly. Villain. At
0: every spy movie. Yeah. yeah the, the villain is... Uh, Is too smart for his own good and then completely uh, dependent upon his idiot henchmen that can never get the job done. Yes. Which I believe all started with Star Wars because the stormtroopers couldn't shoot anything to save their lives, but hey. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Dr. Evil is uh, just a ton of fun. Just a ton of fun. Uh, Even, like, the uncomfortable stuff. Uh, The way that he just responds. And there's two quotes that I'm thinking of right now that I'm not going to say on the show because I don't want to put a expletive mark on this episode. But he's just he's just really good.
1: Yeah, my uh, my second one of my other there's and this this whole movie is quotable. So that's I was thing. I felt
0: bad for Dave because I'm sitting there m- like murmuring the quotes as they come, and then on on our shared Google Doc, I'm writing the quotes down before they happen in the movies.
1: <laughs> so. Uh, The one that I, kind of back to the Dr. Evil and how he views himself. He says, it's Dr. Evil. I didn't spend six years in evil medical school to be called Mr. Thank Thank you you very very much. much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So. Oh my gosh. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, the entire movie is quotable. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying, I mean, I'm trying to think of a portion of the movie that's not, Because if it's not quotable, it's only because the physical humor that's going on is the, like the part, the part where Austin Powers wakes up and they're in the hotel room and Vanessa's talking to her mom on the phone. The conversation is not terribly quotable, but everything that's going on around it is completely memorable where they're using props in the room to, you know, cover up Austin's Making powers, it, if you yeah. will. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So, Dr. Evil, wonderful, lovely, bumbling idiot. Um, full of great stories and great delivery. One of my favorite quotes of his is when he first, uh, first, first meets Scott. I can't speak English apparently. And, uh, he's got his, ar- his, his arms outstretched. He's got the one tear going down the cheek that doesn't have the scar. And, uh, he's like, well, don't look at me like I'm freaking Frankenstein. Give your father a hug. <laughs> Which is what I used to say to my mother. Don't look at me like I'm freaking Frankenstein. Give your son a hug because at that point I was like eight inches taller than her, and so I'd walk in her. Uh. But she would also quote this movie too. She'd be like, "I'm the mom. Need the info." <laughs> so it was. They got me gold member for Christmas that the year that I turned sixteen. I watched it three times on Christmas Day. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, apparently I, I ruined Christmas that year.
1: Oh really? Yeah.
0: Well. Oh, Cam you know it's a funny movie all right um what about austin powers makes him a great character um
1: it to me um one of the things i felt like with with austin powers is this it, to me it feels like this person lives within mike myers like this is the, there is this part of who he is that allows him to kind of uh, admit his love for Burt Baccarat music and, uh, you know, be flamboyant and, uh, you know, do all the, the goofy things that he does. Um, and so there's there's this element of he's just being this part of who he is mm-hmm. versus it completely being a character. So I think that's one of the reasons that it really works is
0: yeah, that's always the best acting is when the people just get to be a more uh they get to be themselves and it's okay to be themselves because that's who they're playing. Mm-hmm. You know. Um well, to your point, there's there's a scene in the movie where where the fembots try and uh, you know, take over Austin Powers and distract him. And, and he winds up stripping down into his Union Jack clad uh, underpants and dancing like an absolute idiot. He does that exact same thing in Wayne's World. Yeah. Except it's whitey tighties. Yeah. That's the only difference. And so, to your point, the fact that those movies are six years apart, Wayne's World was like 91, right? Ninety, ninety one. yes yeah so yeah six seven years apart and he's doing the exact same thing for two characters that could not be well i guess that they could be much different but i mean it's the same guy but to your point yeah that that i think that he probably just does that in his bedroom <laughs> in, in the mirror to himself just because it's funny and he likes to dance like an idiot yes um but yeah to your point he has done that before (laughs) as a completely different character. And I think it is just something that he finds absolutely hysterical. Yes. And it is, it's quite funny.
1: Well, and that's the thing. It's, I I think there's a, here's a guy that, again, he's not a naturally attractive man. Um, and then he has not, he he doesn't have a bad physique, but he's not like this, you know, but he's very comfortable with who he is kind of a thing. And Mm -hmm. I think that's true of Austin powers as well. It's, it's not what the appearance is, which much of the world will put the value on, but it's that that confidence, that mojo, and I think that's a part of who um, Mike Myers is. So, yes,
0: yeah, I uh, I think Austin Powers is a great movie character because everything that he does is memorable. You know, and we were as we were trying to compile our list of great movie characters. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we we always landed on very strong, dramatic, suspenseful, even dark mm-hmm. movie characters. And then we looked back at the list and we we're just like, Oh my gosh, there's not a single comedic character on here. Right. And there are very few women. And so we tried to go through and I think successfully we did, we added a bunch of strong female characters to the list, and then but we got stuck at comedy. Yeah. Because in my experience, in the comedy that I enjoy, it's funny because the writing is funny, not because there's necessarily a strong character that um, steals the show. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a handful come to mind. Austin Powers, Ace Ventura, and... Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother are the th- three that I think come to mind. But we're not doing TV shows, so Barney's out the window. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of comedy movies that I think are funny, but it's more, it's more situational. It's more writing. It's more ensemble funny than, mm-hmm. oh, this great, like the Ghostbusters, for instance. Great movie, very funny, but we're not going to do a show on Venkman. No. You know what I mean? It it was it worked because of the time, uh, and because the cast was so strong across the board. But the Ghostbusters movies uh, weren't great because of a single comedic character. Mm-hmm. Um, or you know, you even go to a movie like Step Brothers, which is just an awful movie as far as like content and words, and just it's awful. But it's not funny because of Will Ferrell's character. It's funny because of how his character and the other characters play off of each other, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so the thing that, that I find really great about Austin Powers is that he stands alone. Yep. I mean, the, these movies are great because of him versus Dr. Evil, but they would be still very good without Dr. Evil. Yeah. Because Austin Powers is just such a funny character. And I think for a lot of people, myself included, you look at Austin Powers and you're like, he's kind of an everyman. To your point, he's not the best looking, he doesn't have the best body, but he's super comfortable in his own skin and he does what he wants and he's totally okay with being over the top and ridiculous. That's just how he rolls. Yeah. And that I think is what helps him stand out as a great movie character yeah. is that he he's not um he's not out there preaching the Hollywood gospel. He's not doing, you know, stuff that's going to make him be cooler or fit in. He walks around Vegas in his frilly cravat introducing himself as Richie Cunningham and his white wife who's British, his name is Oprah. Yes. I mean, <laughs> it's just it it's so good on on so many levels yeah. and um you know, I just think a lot of people get lost at the silly potty humor and um I think they miss out on like this is mike myers way of like i get to be the cool super spy because i'm never going to get cast as james bond i'm never going to get to play the roles that jason statham plays right i so why not write a movie where i get to be the super spy and, and and get you know the ladies yes but do it in a way that is totally me and in a way that is funny and in a way that is uh i'm gonna say it again very smart like this is a very smart movie. Even yes. like all this there's just so much subtlety to a lot of what goes on that yes. really just engages my brain. So
1: yeah, and I I don't even remember if Mike Myers had left Saturday Night Live by this. Oh, he's movie. long gone, long gone. Yeah, yeah. But that was the other thing that you know, as we were sitting there watching it, I, I just was like, this is. I think one of the reasons is it works is it's. It's original, why it's such a good character is because it's original. There's really nothing out there like this uh again it's it's a parody of the spy movies um but nobody else had done it before. It wasn't first um a Saturday night live skit that then got transferred uh to the movie and maybe that's even another thing where we, you know you're you're talking about it it, it being smart is. You know, so many of those movies that get made based off of a Saturday Night Live skit, it's like, it is such a stretch to get an hour and a half movie out of those that you're like, okay, the premise breaks down quickly, and it's really not all that funny. And here he had this idea, this character that was good enough for three movies and could probably, again, be a fourth.
0: I'm so nervous about a fourth one.
1: I don't think they should do that, but...
0: I. I think if it's if it's good enough, they should do it. But if it's not, yeah, because what you don't want to do is make the worst Austin Powers movie, because one is already out there, and it's probably number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to come back, fourteen years, fifteen, sixteen years later, and make a movie that just isn't good. Mm-hmm. So if they've got the story, I think they should do it because I think it would be a lot of fun. But if it's just gonna suck don't waste your time yeah
1: so now i i don't think i've seen mike myers in a while but he's kind of one of those guys that doesn't really age either like he kind of he could probably pull it off and it would you know yeah it would continue to work so
0: yeah we'll see we'll see (laughs) all right any favorite quotes that we have not yet mentioned
1: I I don't have any listed no, but like I said, it, the the whole movie is so quotable and I'll defer to you on that.
0: (laughs) There's yeah. Uh, the whole scene in the bathroom with Tom Arnold. Yeah. As the cowboy makes me just giggle like a little kid. So for those of you that haven't seen the movie, which stop right now and go watch it because (laughs) it's great. Uh, Austin Bowers is in a bathroom in a casino in Vegas and in his full, you know, velour suit. And Tom Arnold comes in as this, this loud cowboy and they sit down in, in parallel stalls to, you know, do the Lord's work. And uh, Mike Myers gets attacked by um, the guy who's patty what's his face and they're always after me lucky charms (laughs) why does everybody laugh when i say that uh and so tom arnold thinks that austin powers is, is taking a dump and he's really getting choked out and so uh tom arnold's like what does he say? Uh, who does number two work for? Well, yeah, so, my, oh, so no, Austin you're talking... Powers is going, who does number two work for? And then Tom Arnold goes, yeah, that's right. You show that turd who's boss. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get out, you know, and, and Austin's just washing his hands. And the guy's dead head first in the toilet. He goes, oh, my God, boy, what did you eat? <laughs> Which is, it's such a stupid line. Yeah. But because it's Tom Arnold, it works. Yeah. Because He says dumb stuff all the time. So it just worked. But uh, that scene's good. Um, The whole um, Swedish made pump thing when he's getting out of cryogenic freezing with the guard. Wonderful. Um, I left out a keyword there for the kids.
1: Well, and that's, he does, you know, uh, there's, he doesn't have to oversell it. Like the awkwardness of the situation <laughs> is enough, and his facial expressions, yeah. and then again, just that that tension of uh this is what I want people to think I am, and this is the reality of who I am, and mm-hmm. uh the embarrassment that kind of goes with that and so
0: yeah, or when uh they're in the hotel getting ready to go to verchaikan and and they meet basil Exposition's mother, Mrs. Exposition. And Austin goes, wait a tick, and just punches her square in the face and then begins to try and rip her hair off. Yes. <laughs> and then Basil goes, Austin, that's my mother. Sorry, Basil, I thought she was a man. <laughs> that's my mother. You ta- Well, you have to admit, she's a bit mannish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just makes it worse, sticks himself a hole. Well, I
0: mean, if that's a woman, you have to admit, it looks like she was beaten with an ugly stick. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. And that was the worst Austin Powers accent ever. I'm sorry. Yeah, that I don't... really bad. I'm not going to try. So I can't really... You're not going to throw out a groovy baby, <laughs> yeah. No. No. What about a... No. No. No? All right. <laughs> well, favorite scenes, and then we'll wrap it up, because these people need to go watch this movie.
1: Yes. Um. I, again, realizing this time how much I'd like Dr. Evil and uh just being in uh dr evil's lair after they after the thirty years has gone by uh just so much about it the cat has lost all of its hair uh uh, uh i'm gonna i i'm horrible with pronouncing names the the, the will Ferrell... Mustafa? Mustafa. Yes. Uh <laughs> that's a good quote. <laughs> th- I mean that's even that's even a it's a, it's Wolf one of I think it's Will Ferrell's first big movie that he was ever in. Don't hold me to that but I don't think he had had any movie where he no, was cuz like, he was
0: still on SNL at this yeah. point. Yeah.
1: And so but it just had that his character was um uh you, you kind of get to see that glimpse of the Will Ferrell Uh, Genius, And, yeah, you have the quote for when he gets dumped (laughs) down into You shot me. You shot me right in the arm. (laughs) I'm very badly burned.
0: So good. So good.
1: But, yeah, so that's, and again, my quote.
0: He comes back in the second movie. I just remembered that. Mm -hmm. I totally forgot about that until just right now. I need to go watch the second one. It's been a long time. Yeah, because
1: that, like you said, I can remember a lot from the first and the third. There's not a whole lot from that second one. He
0: steals Austin Powers Mojo. Doctor Evil does. He goes back in time.
1: Yeah. And then there's a lot of there's like a lot of time jump type stuff. And again, they don't try to explain it. They don't try to rash I mean, there's a lot of like you know, it just it is what it is kind of stuff with the time travel and the stealing the mojo and
0: Yeah. They don't they don't get all interstellar on you and try and explain four dimensions and time and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. Um so yeah, the Doctor Doctor Lair or Doctor Evil's lairs is probably uh one of my favorite scenes. Um and again, I don't think there's anything in particular that I would say, oh, this is an awful scene. The the unfreezing process is pretty hilarious as well. That where he's shouting, has is, no inner monologue.
0: I, I think my favorite I love the intro. The whole the giant ensemble dance scene on the street of London. Yeah. That's a ton of fun. It's just it's Hysterical, and my mother always says this: If you can dance like an idiot, you can probably actually dance for real. You just might not know it. That's uh, probably yeah. Because you have to have all the coordination and the timing to do what he does, and he just yeah. looks ridiculous. And so I do that sort of crap around the house all the time, and have since I was <laughs> a teenager. You know, and and uh, much to my wife's chagrin you know, she'll walk in the room and I've got some music on and I'm just acting like a complete buffoon because I find it funny to entertain myself. And she'll be like, you're embarrassing me and we're home alone and no one can see. Um, you're embarrassing me, that's hilarious. Yeah, I, I'm able to embarrass my wife when no one in on the planet knows what I'm doing. I consider that a skill. Um, but to her point, because I would do that stuff and then she watched this and she her theory is, you know, if you can move like that, chances are you probably could be a decent dancer if you had the right training, um, which I think is funny, but yeah, my favorite scene in the entire movie, which is saying a lot because I, I love this movie is when he's first getting, he, he comes out of the warm liquid goo phase covered in all of that egg roll sauce. Yeah. And that's <laughs> exactly what I think. Of. And he's on the, the conveyor belt from Dr. No. And you know, they drench him in water. And of course he's just, he looks like a drowned rat, especially with all that nasty chest, chest hair he hair. has. And then he's soaking wet, and he doesn't know where he is. And then the the hair hair dryers come up and blow it, and even his chest hair changes direction. <laughs> and then uh, he has to go, you know, relieve himself on the conveyor belt, and it's, evacuation, come psst. And it's like a good 20-second long pee. And it goes, mm. and the robotic lady's voice, evacuation, come psst. The evacuation comes and he's like old man peeing where he's like lifting his legs, you know, <laughs> and, and all the generals look completely uncomfortable as they're watching this proceed. And if you watch that scene really closely, watch the American general on the left-hand side, his facial expressions are so good in that scene. Cause you can generally believe he's just like, Oh my God, are we done yet? This is so uncomfortable. How is he still peeing? I'm kind of intrigued by this, but disgusted at the same time. Um, yeah that that whole scene and then when he gets into the doctor's office and i'm having trouble controlling the volume of my voice it's pretty good pretty pretty good yes
1: although one of the things i the timing of somebody that is peeing for a long time because it, this is this is also in uh a league of their own where he's going to the bathroom and then i think it's Madonna's character grabs a watch and starts timing it. Well, if you weren't timing from the very beginning, yeah, it doesn't do any good. <laughs> now I get that there's a you kind of chuckle because they're looking at a watch kind of thing, but I always remember that in the the stupid. Uh, well, I actually, like the League of Their Own, but just that scene of just getting a watch and timing it midway through because
0: why not? You're you already invested. You wouldn't. You wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway other favorite scenes? Um, I actually think the scene where in the middle of the movie where he's waking up for bed and Vanessa's talking on the phone. And then at the very end when they're on their honeymoon, all of the props that they use to cover up Mm -hmm. their parts, it's crude, but it's funny because you know, they're doing it completely on purpose because they can for the exact reaction that you're having at that moment. Yeah. Like you realize you're being totally set up and a lot of people won't find it funny. They'll just be like, Oh, ha ha funny a sausage and water in, in pineapples. Ha, ha ha. I still think it's hysterical, but I just find that stuff funny.
1: Well, and I think that's it is it's, they know the absurdity of it mm-hmm. and don't, you know, apologize for it. So it's it, again, it fits it's, the it's, whole movie. Yeah. It, it is a, yeah. I, if 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 you don't find it funny then it's just not geared towards you it's just not your type of humor because it is uh hilarious so and that's you know um didn't we don't i know our focus is on the character so Austin Powers and Dr Evil and being good characters but i think Elizabeth Hurley uh does a great job in this and makes it work she doesn't overplay yeah
0: she's the straight man the whole movie
1: uh that and um a lot of what makes uh, Austin Powers and Dr. Evil work is the way these other characters kind of respond to them with their their facial expressions and you know not um it's really easy to overact in a movie like this uh-huh. and I don't and again people may disagree with this statement but I don't think there's overacting going on here you know there's not this trying too hard it's um, it works so
0: yeah, I mean, no one I, no one in this movie is going to win an Oscar for acting, but when you've got two characters that are so over-the-top and ridiculous as, as Dr. Evil and Austin Powers, you have to have the rest of the cast kind of be the glue that helps that ridiculousness shine. Because mm-hmm. if everyone's ridiculous... Then you've got a kindergarten classroom, you know what I mean? (laughs) But if you've got if you if the rest of the cast knows when to bring it up, like Frau Fribissina, when she introduces the fembots and she screams really loud a couple of times, like that's that's like her peak moment in the movie, and it works perfectly because Dr. Evil gets to you know shudder (laughs) and freak out, but the rest of the movie she's just kind of there, yeah. Uh, and same with Scott, like he's a foil to Dr. Evil only when he needs to be. Um, yeah, it's Comedy gold, in my opinion. Yep. So, episode three. Almost done. I think that... Well, I think we are done. But we need to give our final... Oh, my goodness, Dave. This is what happens when we record, you know. Late at night. Yeah, seriously. It's like 11 o'clock. <laughs> well past uh, my
1: bedtime. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. So, our official It's a Trap rating. Mm-hmm. We haven't decided over we doing stars. We have five of something.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Kind of like thumbs up,
0: uh, but you're, you have five thumbs. No, <laughs> we don't even have five thumbs combined. <laughs> no, we do not. <laughs> uh, which brings me to the six-fingered man from *Princess Bride*, but that's that's a different discussion. Yes. How many how many somethings out of five do you give Austin Powers and Doctor Evil combined?
1: I I give it a four out of five. So, and, and, and basically I- the reason for my four is this is either your bag or it's not, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Way to use a movie term, Dave. Yes. Uh, a, a true five is going to hit. And, and, and again, I know we're talking about the character
0: not just the movie is the other. Th- or, oh, I see how you're playing this. Okay. Continue. Well, what were you going to say? What- no, 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 no. I, I, I just, I interrupted by you said a true five is going to hit everybody. And so right. you're judging it from that perspective, which yes. I had not considered.
1: So, so that, that's just my piece. Cause there are some people that uh, my, like my wife can't stand Austin powers. And she's and like, why are you talking about it? Me.
0: And,
1: and again, uh, that is generally who is going to watch Austin powers. It's, it's a guy movie.
0: Yeah. My wife would rather do lots of un, nice things than watch this or Napoleon dynamite or any Monty Python. She just, that sort of humor just, it drains her.
1: Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, some of these other characters that we're going to talk about or have talked about, um, probably, are. I honestly can't remember my rankings from
0: <laughs> previous
1: characters, but
0: I think I gave verbal a four out of five and I gave Norman Bates a five out of five. Cause I love Norman Bates. I think that was incredible. Yeah. So I did not approach the ratings from the, how it's going to play with other people. Mm-hmm. I approached the ratings from, Personally, how do I feel about this character? Um, and so I gave it a five out of five, because I think if you, the pairing of Austin Powers and Dr. Evil, and maybe we're already breaking our own rules by talking about two characters per show, but it's the same movie, it's the same actor. They are the opposite sides of the same coin, right. essentially. Um, I just, I think, I've not used this word yet, but I think it's genius, the two of them mm-hmm. together. Um, so because, because I love it, because the entire movie is quotable, because it's intelligent humor, even when it's being really dumb, they're being dumb on purpose because they know exactly how to play it. I will give it a five, but I realize that there are many people in our own lives that yeah. would think that I'm an idiot for saying that because they just they don't find it funny, and that's right. totally okay. Yes. There's no judgment, at least on my part. I'm sure my wife judges me a little bit when she's like, oh my gosh, he's watching it again. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, and, and, you know, and and then I guess in terms of the character, you know, I remember it was probably 98 uh, doing a summer or a youth type thing where we did some skits that had Dr. Evil and and Austin Power. And it played uh, across the board with the kids in there. And, uh, you know, we didn't have to do the innuendos and all that kind of stuff, the characters still played uh, with high school kids mm-hmm. in 1998. And um, so, you know, there is that element too of, if it, if it um, can play outside of the movie, uh, because you don't just, um, you have to have that sort of background that, that uh, people have knowledge of and like these characters for them to play to high school kids. Yeah. So that that to me... Um, speaks highly of the of the characters.
0: Yeah, and the last two things I'll say is this movie is almost twenty years old, and they're still good. They're still good characters. Mm-hmm. Still a funny movie. Um, and then uh, I totally lost what my second point was. I got distracted. I don't know. Oh, David, this is not how I wanted to end the episode. They're really good because they're still relevant. You can watch the movie this this far along later, and they're still good, and it's still not... What was I going to say? This is so unprofessional. <laughs> it's a good thing we're not getting paid to do this. Uh. Oh, my gosh. If I think of it, I'll put it in the show notes, but I just had an absolute brain fart. It must be 11 o'clock at night. Well. Huh? Another that, show. Another show. Another show, another fun topic. We'll be back next time with another character? I don't even remember who number four is. Do you? I don't. No. We'll find out (laughs) next time on It's a Trap. Take care. See ya.